Welcome to the BSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. Here we go again. It's Thursday, the 8th of September. All the news and views of the sector in this crazy, crazy world with myself, uh, Andrew Monk and Phil Smith. Phil, how are you doing? Excellent, Andrew. And when I was coming in this morning, I found something good happening. It was raining, which we've been waiting for for ages. Well, you may have been, but I've got a tennis match this evening, so I'm bloody well hoping it's finished. But it's all go today. You know, Liz Truss has just announced, I forgot what the headline is, I think it's 140 billion, 150 billion energy plan uh, to cap energy bills at £2,500 or something, or oh, £2,100. The number keeps messing around, £2,500, I think. And uh, which means I'm going to turn my hot tub on again and I won't have to pay excessive payments for it. It's fantastic news. Well, well, it, it is from that perspective, Andrew, but we need to think about what happens to our poor old taxpayers and our government bonds that we're holding. But we'll see. You you own government bonds? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> but I'm sure some of the bonds my pension is in hold a few. I was about to say, careful. Um, I mean, it's interesting. One of the things, funny enough, um, I might may, may lead off on this because I, I, I don't think the government's completely got this. There's the EU is starting to get it now. Uh, but I have been um, uh, talking to a few people about this, uh, uh, and that is the um, the way electricity prices follow the gas price. I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's done on the merit order. Uh, and actually, it's absolutely ludicrous. If you think about it, you know, in this country we actually have quite a lot of uh, energy, electricity produced, obviously, from renew renewables. They claim the wind hasn't been blowing as much, but it still is a lot of it. We have quite a lot from nuclear, and we do still have a bit of coal every now and then. Uh, and yet the entire electricity price is based off the gas price, which is clearly ludicrous because um, the cost of renewables has not gone up at all. The cost of nuclear has not gone up at all. And it's all to do with this, uh, the merit order, where basically you you price your electricity at the last trade, so to speak, which is invariably gas. And so the gas price goes up, the electricity price goes up. That is absolute madness. The only people who have really been winning from that, the consumer gets killed, because the renewable generators like Greencoat and these sort of people, the, the nuclear generators like EDF, are making absolute fortunes. And the merit order is madness. I mean, if I wanted to put this into what I describe as a layman's talk, it's a bit like if you've got a penalty shootout, actually all five players have to, to, to try and score a goal. But the end result is the person who kicks the last ball and he gets all the glory or non-glory, depending upon. And that is the merit order. They should actually abandon the merit order system for pricing electricity and the electricity price would come whizzing off. I mean, as it is, I mean, the funny thing is Liz Truss, I mean, she she must probably be the, the luckiest new prime minister everywhere, ever, because the, the gas price has actually already fallen to only 370 from a high of about 650. And that's happened in the last week. So, I mean, you know, actually, um, the energy crisis is almost over. Brent crude is back down to $88, which is lower than it was uh, when the Ukraine was invaded by the Russians. So... She's a genius. The energy crisis is nearly almost over. And of course, the inflation crisis could be over because they just capped electricity prices and energy prices. That was what was driving inflation up. So inflation might go away. I mean, maybe they'll cap everything. I, I've got an idea. I think they should actually cap the number of stocks a broker can act for. And the maximum number of stocks a broker can act for is 50 companies. And that way we'd all have 
share the number of companies out there uh, and we could all have equal rights to them, so to speak. By the way, that will never get any traction. It's just a lovely little dream of mine. <laughs> Actually, I, I do. I mean, look, I've said this on podcast. Yeah. It's getting us way aside from transition. Energy, mm. I apologize. But I worry about the stock market. You know, we, we obviously we're going to talk about M&A, I know, today. Because yeah, we're, we're seeing on. more and more of it. But, you know, we're running out of stocks. We might not even have a FTSE 100 soon. There won't even be 100 stocks listed on the, on the, on the market. Um, we're running out of stocks. They're all getting taken over. And I was with some private equity guys yesterday advising a company that's listed. And they said, look, why don't you delist? Go private. We'll help build the size of your company. We'll give you cash. And then when you've got really, really big and you're valued really highly, then we'll float it on the stock market all those silly investors. And I thought, no, don't say that, please. It's terrible. Really, really does drive me insane. Anyway, there you go. Um, you don't need to hear all that. Let's let's um, second trans. That's that. That's that's what this podcast is all about, isn't it? Um, have you got a theme or anything you want to kick off on? Uh... Well, I thought. I, look, I mean, I, I think the the, the merit order and the energy pricing is a you know it, it is a, an important thing for. Of course, it's an important thing for investors to 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 understand and what is going on there in terms of energy prices. So that's all. That's all value-added stuff, Andrew. And um, you know, in terms of like transitional energy, it, it it's going to be driving. You know, how much how much investment is going into the into the grid and into storage and into 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 backup. And those, you know, those those markets seem to be very dynamic and they, and increasingly so as we head into winter. So it's all very relevant stuff. Um, the only uh, you know, just in terms of general sort of transitional energy. Uh, this week, I noticed that uh, was it Equinor has uh, made investment in the flow battery manufacturer. Um, so this is one that is you're right. So just so, so people know, yeah. Equinor is actually the Norwegian, basically state energy company. It is, um, and so clearly, it's got an awful lot of cash. Uh, and you're right, they did make uh, an investment into a flow battery company. Uh, it's a was it Dutch? Should yeah. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Yep. And it was um, zinc. It was, uh, I think it was, uh, let's look at I think something like that. Uh, yeah, bro, zinc, but yes, bro, mine, yeah, bro, mine tech. But it's just, look, it's just an indication of what the, you know, in, in terms of the battery markets and where investment is coming from. I thought I was, yeah, Equinor's former stat oil, isn't it? Uh, is, is yeah, the company. So there we, so there we go. We saw that. And did you see that in Ireland? Uh, this was interesting. I saw the announcement that the construction started in Ireland and it's pair, pairing battery energy storage uh, with a synchronous condenser. Um, I, I don't know if you come across synchronous condensers before, but those are apparently large rotating devices that provide physical inertia. Sounds like a big gyroscope to me, but I think I've seen this before in data center backup, big big flywheels, but I don't know if this is specifically flywheel. Um, but that's uh, that's a grid stability plant providing 170 megawatt hours of storage. So that was announced this week. So I thought so fly, flywheels do actually work, don't they? I mean, it, but yeah. I think what's interesting, I've actually this week, I mean, again, we're, we're going back to a bit of an old theme of mine, but I've actually had some quite interesting meetings this week with people where there is a realization, and somebody actually was saying that, you know, he feels there is a 50 50 chance that Volkswagen could go bust in five years' time. Now, this is an exceptionally knowledgeable person. So now it clearly isn't going to go bust because the German government would, would bail it out. But what he said is they are putting so much investment into building EV factories that the problem they've got, though, is that they're going to have all these massive EV factories and they're going to start building these 
EV cars, and there just isn't enough physical lithium to produce the batteries for the cars. And so they could become absolute white elephants that will actually sink the ship, basically because the Chinese have captured all the lithium. Um, and there is a chronic shortage. And this is, again, why we are obviously always saying, you know, look, we know all these other forms of energy storage are more expensive than today's lithium-ion batteries for, for long-duration energy storage. But there isn't enough lithium. It's crazy chucking all this lithium into long-duration energy storage where there are other ways of doing it, whereas the cars, the EVs, need the lithium, and there isn't another way of doing it. Uh, but I'm not sure when the world wakes up to this. Um, well, and it was interesting. I was actually with the, the, the MD last night of, and I won't say which one, uh, but one of the energy storage funds that runs these, these long-duration energy storage um, farms, and I said to him, I said, you know, mate, what have you, what money have you put aside for decommissioning your lithium-ion batteries? And he went, we haven't put any money aside. Why do we want to do that? I said, because you, you can't just, you've got to decommission, you've got to recycle. And he went, oh, he said, look, you know, I'll be gone by then. I'll have taken all the money. Um, the shareholders can work that out later. And he said, well, no, we sort of hope that somebody will work out how to recycle them and it actually won't cost us. But yeah, you know, we don't want to worry about things like that, Andrew. And it does worry me, though. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised. I mean, given the, the, the rate of installation over over recent years, and it won't be too many recent years until, you know, what those batteries will need replacing. You know, it's a relatively short time horizon. So it could be, you know, a very significant problem indeed. And especially if there's, you know, general source of lithium, they're going to need it from somewhere, you know, in terms of secondary source. But what's... What why I point out these two announcements, Andrew, is just to say we're seeing an increasing amount of announcements, I think, into into alternatives to to lithium or working alongside lithium. So that is interesting. Well, we are. We you know we everyone knows the after yeah, energy systems, yeah. but you know we there's a lot of talk, not enough do yet. And you know the clock yeah. is ticking really fast, and we need. We need actually, you know, governments and these sort of people to wake up and go, actually, we've got a problem. There is a solution, but we're going to have to help stimulate that solution. Anyway, look, right. regular listeners will know it's a bit yeah. on it. I'm always going on about it. Let's move on. It's pretty tedious. Actually, but let's move on a little bit to something that actually neither you or I got invited to. Uh, but SSE have had a, a two day investor presentation. Thing. Well, it was for investors and advisors, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, bearing in mind, we're, we're the top advisor for this space, and we're, we're also investors, or I am in SSE. Can't understand why they didn't invite me, Phil. <laughs> well, you'd have had to trek a long way. It's up in, it was up in Inverness. Um, I don't mind a trip to Inverness. Well, I'd love to get up to, I'd love to get up to Inverness, particularly in the, in the summer, but it wouldn't, yeah. So it was up in, yeah, that's up in Inverness this week. Um, and uh, yeah, very, very detailed presentations on what's happening in their markets, their opportunities. Um, but Andrew, as you know, those, they have in a very timely manner made their presentations available uh, to, to investors and for you to view. So that's a very good thing. Um, and I think they also had a bit of a site visit um, for visitors so, up there. But there you so go. So what's the key takeaway from their presentations? I assume you've had a quick flick through. Uh, it was it was very quick, Andrew. But the, the, <laughs> I, I've got I've right I've got to, to candidly confess to you, um, but there was an awful lot uh, of material regard around um, adapting uh, what well, everything we talk about adapting the grid um, to the energy transition, 
Um, also, the requirements that are going to be needed for energy, talk about you know, the requirements from EV markets, but it's all around how is the grid going to be accommodating all these different uh, different sources. Actually, I'll tell uh, you what, what I, I, I did read day one's presentation. Yeah. And, and I, at that stage, I actually, after I was glad I wasn't invited to Inverness, even though I would like to go to Inverness. Hmm. Somebody would like to meet in Inverness, one, one of my Twitter followers, or she's a big tweeter. Um, but um, I've got to say, I thought the presentation looked as though it had been written by a human resources person uh, and really told me absolutely bugger all to a jam tart about where the business was actually going and how it's uh, going to make yeah. its money. Uh, but of course, I suppose if the talk above the presentation was really good, you may well have got that explained. But I don't think it's going to change the share price. I'm sure it was a terribly good thing to do, but there you go. That's my quick take on it. There we are. Right. Moving on swiftly from that, why don't we why don't we get on to technology? Because this is a, a cue for your opening point on discussion on the UK stock markets and what is happening to tech companies. Go for it. Are you you're gonna do MA? It's gotta be we uh, well, no more bid for Dark Trace and a bid for GB group. There you go. Exactly. I can so, read your mind. You can, <laughs> I'm up. I'm that predictable to work with. No, uh, there's not much in there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Come on, get on with it. Tell us. Right, I'll get. Let me. Let me get on with it. GB Group. Uh, GBG is the ticker. The market cap is 1.4 billion. Um, uh, and this has been a super story. Uh, one I've, you know, one I've previously covered as an analyst. The GB Group software is the heart of uh, individual identity. So they have on their database is something like the identity of 4 billion individuals around the world. Um, and that identity relates to things in particular like their um, their location. Um, so, you know, who they are, verification of addresses, and then there'll be you know, further verification behind that in terms of their bank balances, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's all about digital identity, and they draw from a lot of global databases to get that kind of information, um, you know, from big credit card companies and, and the likes. And that's used by e-commerce companies, of course, verifying anything you log into, you register for, you get verified. So particularly for, for, for e-commerce um uh, for delivery anyway suffice to say the company has received an approach it's uh from a u.s private equity firm gtcr um and so the shares have, have, have risen on this so you know yet again it's uh one uk high quality tech company that's receiving this type of approach and as we pointed out you pointed out the strength of the dollar um specifically so we will see see what comes of that um, and then, of course, yeah. Well, before you move on, yeah. because I'm yeah. pleased to say that actually it's in my mother's IHT portfolio that I run, so she's delighted. Not what I've told her yet, um, but of course, it's another one where we don't actually know what price they're going to pay, do we? No, no, we no, we do not. But it's a, as I say, it's a, it's, it's a cracking company. So hmm. uh, let's let's see what so, uh, see what they do. But you're going to now move on to say, well, what we do know now is that the bid for Dark Trace they aren't going to pay a price because they're not they're not on anymore. No, 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 no. That was just come out, isn't it? Well, this was Thomas Bravo, who were running a rule over Dark Trace. That's Dark D A D A R K three eight three point eight billion market cap, uh, and it's a cybersecurity software company. Yeah, 
No, so they've, they've uh, Rama, I think, just come out with a formal announcement and said they are no longer interested in it. And Dark Trace share price is down about 30%, Andrew, on screen at the moment, and they've also issued their four-year result. Uh, they have, correct, yeah. Which read pretty good to me. I don't know what you thought. But... I, th- I thought they read, yeah, I thought they read really well. Um, they report, I mean, what's quite interesting about Dark Trace, it does report in US dollars. Uh, and I was looking at the business figures this morning, splitting turnover, and um, the quite a relatively high proportion of I think was it seven percent, eight percent is outside the US. So there's a lot of currency translation uh, going on there that can affect, you know, affect the financial uh, the financial revenues. Nonetheless, they've got strong underlying growth in terms of top line sales. Uh, and they're now moving into uh, into EBITDA profit. So their sales increased from 285 million to 415 million dollars, uh, and they made an EBITDA profit of 64 million dollars from six and a half million in the prior year. So, so it's all moving um, for them in the right way in terms of business growing. And there's a lot. Of this, this company, you know, software. It's been growing. It's new. Well, relatively new and uh, so there's a lot spent on marketing and stuff so you know as the years go on their margins i'm sure will will start to increase so becoming a real proper company now but do they not know that technology companies should never report a profit otherwise it'd get put on a pe and your price collapses no we've not informed them about that one andrew yeah well, you, someone needs to tell them <laughs> anyway there were quite good figures in fairness and it yeah. is it is yeah, a good yeah, yeah. business so uh... I thought that was a super set of results, but but yes, as I say, it's it's kind of seeing these approaches being made now to UK, uh, you know, really high quality UK software companies. You know, we have GB Group, we've got Aviva, we had Emis was acquired, you know. So if you're holding a basket of these ones that are sat at forty two fifty, well, there's probably a bit of a probability they'll get an approach. Anyway, we'll see. That'll cheer up some of the fund managers. They all need a bit of cash at the moment. They're all short cash. Well, there's no liquidity in this market. Yeah. Anyway, now look, there was another company that reported uh, some numbers uh, this week, which is another of your favourites, Midwich. Oh yes, no, I saw those results. Well, yeah. that's good. I'm I glad did, you I saw did. them. I did. You know what? Share what they were I'm like with the listeners. I, thank you. I, I didn't. I, I'm pausing because I didn't. I've not run them off in front of me. So Midwich, yeah, this is a they're a big AV distributor, so audio visual equipment. So all those nice big flat displays in offices, all the stuff that's used for like teleconferencing. Um, it's it's very much sort of corporate business driven, and they uh, just from memory now those results. I mean, they they've, they've seen increasing increasing revenues, increasing profits. I believe. I, I think, think I've caught you out yeah. a little bit here. What I'll tell you is they're in, basically what they said, there was significant organic growth has been delivered. Yeah. Well ahead of the overall market. Okay. And trading since 30th of June this year has been in line with the board's expectations, which were recently upgraded by the company's pre-closed trading statement on the 19th of July uh, and remain well ahead of the comparative period. In other words, Midwich is actually doing really, really well. And it's a company you really like, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I actually I know that I know the chairman, you know, you always look at the management of these things. And the chairman was the ex who was the finance director of Domino Printing Sciences, which was a hugely successful UK company, got taken over by uh, Brother Industries for just over a billion pounds. So, you know, good, good board there. And clearly, 
you know, corporate spend for that. Yeah, that was coming back in that particular area. Maybe, yeah, they've been doing well. It's a good one I, to look I do at. love it when I catch you out, Phil. It's such fun. Yeah, well, you got me there. Right. <laughs> shall, shall I cover a couple of others while we're at it? Yeah, go on, go for it. Yeah, okay, right. Um, Quixent. Across them before, it's uh, 109 million market cap. QXT is the ticker. Quixent, another one, this is based near Cambridge. Um, and they design uh, computer systems going to gaming machines in casinos, uh, computer systems that are used in broadcast industries. And they've also got a thing called, they're quite a company called Densitron, you might have heard of. It's uh, they have a flat screen uh, technology, um, but this is very sophisticated flat screen technology um that's used for as they quote human machine interaction well basically it's it's control they use the control surfaces and systems so, so you're interfacing with those screens but they go into things like defense markets in particular um so they had uh they got interim results uh this thing trades on a, it's on a pe of uh 18 times forms of 15 times um and they said because i think that they've, they again they've seen a decent recovery in their business and obviously they're trying to accommodate things like component shortages and they've said the electronic component situation they're seeing some easing on that but they've had to invest quite a lot in that but they saw their sales up by about 45 percent the gross profits up by uh 50 percent that's dropping through to a profit before tax you know you always got to be careful with these things but you look at the bottom line and the uh, bottom line increased from 0.8 million up to 2.8 million. So a bit of wind back in there, clearly in their sales, uh, and they're sat on $12 million of cash. So that was quite an interesting set of uh, set of numbers. Uh, Gamma Communications, Andrew, did you see Gamma? I didn't. You tell me all about it, please. I will when I find my relevant pieces of paper on Gamma Communications. So Gamma is a big supplier of what are called SIP trunks. Uh, ticker is GAMA, uh, 1.1 billion market cap. Uh, they had interims uh, and this stock trades on two times its uh, revenue and about 15 times PE. Um, now, what to highlight in Gamma? Gamma is quite interesting because they SIP trunks are high speed uh, data comms. Um, networks that are used by businesses very very widely by businesses uh, and offices and they have a huge distribution network that works with SMEs mid-sized businesses also they have direct customers as well um, and they provide uh, from memory do I think they do cloud PBX systems as well so these are the you know internal phone switch ones anyway I'm blabbing on. Uh, so they had their interims um, and their sales were up 8% to 230 million. And that dropped through, last bit of operational gearing, operating profits dropped from 33 million up to 30, uh, 39 million. And they're very cash generative, which we're always looking out for, uh, generated 50 million of cash off 235 million of sales. So the shares on this, I think, have come off um and have been recovering they made a i think from memory they made a uh, acquisition in germany and i suspect i think that hadn't performed quite as well as expected might be one of the reasons but they said they had a decent performance at that during the interim period so uh the shares i'll say i'm not them on screen but i think that they've been uh they've been ticking up good there we there we go and then <laughs> That that and finally from me, I can hear you waiting in expectation is solid state. This is the one we like. Uh, tickers S O L I. It's 107 million market cap. 
Um, and it's on a P of around 15 times 4 into 14, which is reasonable-ish with a 1.8% uh, divvy yield. Uh, solid state electronics, it supplies electronic components. It also uh, develops electronic systems. And it's, uh, I like this because it's got the exposure of customers across uh, commercial, industrial, and military markets. It recently made an acquisition in the US of a company that's got battery pack technology, Andrew, for a whole load of applications for batteries. Uh, including uh, including military equipment, but they had a uh, they had an AGM trading update, and they were pointing out that um, they had seen their open order books uh, increase, and group orders were up from uh, to 107 million from 85.5 million, and they had strong performance from the company that they acquired. Uh, just saying, organic, and even though despite the acquisition, um, organic revenue for the first half is expected to be in excess of 25%. Um, so nice, solid performance. Uh, they've also said, and again, another company coming out with this, that they're seeing supply chains starting to stabilise. This is an electronics components. Even though lead times remain long, they're starting to see stabilisation. So... Um, yeah, nice bit of momentum behind that business and uh, well worth looking at. No, that is good. I'll, t I'll give you a couple of little snippets. Uh, there's actually, I think, quite an interesting story uh, sort of breaking as we sort of speak to a certain extent, uh, which is on Citrix, which is the big American uh, software company, um, where the banks are basically trying to refinance a $15 billion financing package. And it ain't going well. Um, and it's basically a sign that maybe investors are getting a little bit low with you know, what's going on with interest rates, et cetera, um, to refinance these things. This was a highly leveraged buyout. Uh, you've got people like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Credit Suisse, et cetera, et cetera, all trying to uh, get interest to refinance this. And I have a feeling this one could end up with egg on their face. And I suspect the banks could be writing off literally hundreds of millions of dollars on this, it will be seen as a bit of a disaster. So uh, that one's unfolding sort of as we talk, we'll hear more about it probably as Wall Street opens. Uh, and the other one that I think is, uh, and by the way, I mean, the, the cost of borrowing on, on what we call junk borrowing in the US, although they've got a strong dollar and that's why they're buying it in the UK, junk borrowing in the US is hovering around sort of 9% at the moment. That's pretty expensive. Um, mm. It's worth just commenting because we have commented on this um, podcast before and we've always said look you know if the company wants to come and talk to us we're more than happy to speak to them and understand their business but AMTE which was floated about a year ago they've now got through two finance directors and the CEO stepped down hasn't he? Oh this is the little uh, yeah the backlisted battery tech company um, yeah I know that's uh, no, that was very surprising to see. So we've sort of been putting up red flags since they floated uh, and I think that uh, this week, yeah, they lost the finance director and the CEO. Um, these are big, big red flags. Um, I mean, the stock obviously has come back a long, long way. Um, uh, again, you know, I'd more than happily go and visit the company, see what's really going on, because we've never been allowed access, um, probably just as well. Yeah I, yeah, I think you're right there, Andrew. All right. Anything else, Phil? Well, no, there isn't. I will, um, yes, go back home later in the rain. So that has, is, is a bright spot. But I think, uh, I'll tell you what we will do. We'll definitely keep an eye on that Citrix story. 
because that was not, you know, that deal wasn't done long ago, was it? At the start of the year, it was Correct. acquired by the two big private equity funds. I think that's going to be very interesting. Yeah. OK, well, look, we'll see how Liz Truss does in her second week uh, as Prime Minister next week. And also, I just noticed uh, as we're talking that the, the Queen is under medical supervision at Balmoral after doctors became concerned for her health. Uh, and so we wish her well. Yes, we, you know, we certainly do. Very good. Speak next week, Phil. Well, do, Andrew. Look forward to it.